0: Welcome to Sound and Vision. Conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host
1: of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is sponsored by Golden Artist Colors. Golden Artist Colors Incorporated became an employee-owned company in 2002 And in 2010, employees became the majority owners of the company. Despite worldwide distribution, Golden product is still created on the grounds of the original barn in New Berlin, using the highest standards for consistency and quality. Golden constantly strives to outdo itself by operating on three principles, make the best products, provide customers with the best service, and find people who can make the first two happen. Golden makes the best art materials available from Williamsburg oil colors core watercolors and their vast line of acrylics, you can find them at your local art store or online at goldenpaints.com. Located in Seattle, Fulcrum Coffee Roasters seek to craft the perfect coffee. They have been roasting coffee for over 20 years. You can order their amazing coffee at fulcrumcoffee.com, enter code ALFREDSTUDIO upon checkout, and receive 20% off your order. Matt Hansel was born in West Virginia and lives and works in Brooklyn, New York. He earned an MFA from the Yale University School of Art and a BFA from the Cooper Union School of Art. Matt has had solo shows nationally and abroad at galleries including The Hole Gallery, Brand New Gallery, PMAM Gallery in London, Wasserman Projects in Detroit, and Yuka Contemporary in Tokyo. Matt received a grant from the New York Foundation of the Arts in 2011 and has been included in the White Columns Artist Registry since 2017. Matt's work has been written about in publications, including the New York Times, Blauen Art Info, Vice, Time Out New York, and the Brooklyn Rail. I spoke with Matt about his new work, his working process, different ways of painting, Music and podcasts, and much more. Here's our conversation. To do something over is tough.
0: It's nearly impossible. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the
1: impossible. worst. Like, you have to uh, maybe just put enough time in between to where it's still where it's going to feel fresh again. You know? Right, right. Fortunately, I have a uh, memory of a goldfish, so I'm sure <laughs> a week later <laughs> it would have felt like a new conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have yeah.
0: that at all? Yeah, I mean, you know, for me, I remember <clears throat> sort of, uh, you know, different things, you know, I was growing up being asked to do things again, you know, and it's, yeah, it's like one of those things where once you've done it, it's sort of out of your system, I feel like, and you have to do something twice, uh, you know, I I don't know, I think, you know, part of being an artist is just the, the experience of doing the thing is maybe, you know, 90% of it, you know? Right. And then just what, uh, you know, what comes out of it is sort of just the residual effect of the process of doing the thing. So recreating a process, you know, is, I mean, arduous to say the least. And, uh, it's
1: brutal, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's brutal. I mean, you know, when I I know when I paint, I try not to have a system, you know, of, of painting so that like I never, like, I try not to, like base the canvas a certain way or sort of undo any kind of underpainting or I kind of just try and jump in at different ways each time just to try and keep it you know new you know in some ways and you know some sort of challenge yeah
1: now yeah. on that topic are you someone like what's the the afterlife of paintings for you do you get clingy or do you once it's done it's like get out of the house you know yeah go, no, go do your thing I don't want to see <laughs> <Yeah>. you anymore
0: <laughs> Go live your life, little one. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty good uh, at not being too clean. Every once in a while, there's a painting that I think, ah, you know, I'd like to hold on to that. But, um, you know, for the most part, I'm making them to be out in the world and uh, to be enjoyed by other people. So I don't really have a problem with, uh, you know, letting them go. Um, You know, the funny thing is, you know, half the time I'll make paintings that, you know, for whatever reason, I'll, you know, see you late in some other context and be like, oh, wow, I totally forgot I made that painting, you know, so yeah. there's a lot of paintings like that, too. So, I you know, I guess there's some part of me that once it's, you know, once it's out there, then, it, you know, it's sort of it's, it's on its own.
1: Yeah, well, we might as well tap into that because, you know, parenting, you're in the throes yeah. of it right now, I believe.
0: I'm in it. I got a six-year-old yeah. <laughs> little girl and, uh, you know, it's great. I feel like actually, you know, being six, I feel like we've just crossed this, like, weird zero-point barrier where now she's, you know, can walk with you down the sidewalk. You know, she can keep up. She's, you know, she's really not... I feel like I'm really getting into this sweet spot with her where it's just, like, you know, she's totally self-aware. You know, she's got opinions. She can converse fluently. You know, it's, like, all these things that you sort of wait for as a dad. This sort of, like, I can't wait till... You know, we can uh, sort of have the conversations, and we can, you know, I can sort of, you know, find out what she's thinking, what you know, and now she's like entering into that really uh, sweet, you know, part of life. Yeah, great. that's
1: that's a good zone. I remember vaguely, um, like a time where going to see art or baseball games or whatever it was, going to do things was like. Sure. Like there wasn't even any thought that I could question this, you know, Uh, uh or like, I don't want to do this. It was kind of like, you just go where you're going and then there's an experience and maybe the experience goes well, or maybe it's a little, a rough day or whatever it is, but it's never the idea of it that's problematic.
0: Right. Yeah. I think, you know, I think that's another part about her being so young is it's, you know, I mean, I, I sort of remember this experience and my wife and I both lament where, you know, when they're really young, you can kind of dress them any way you yeah. want so you find these like really cute little clothes and you kind of dress them up and they look ridiculous but they look super cute you know <laughs> yeah. and uh you like for there's a moment where you could do that and then you know they sort of get a little more self-aware and they they say yeah you know I, I don't really want to wear that ridiculous you know outfit that you just bought so you know so you sort of lose that moment but you still have this now that they're mobile you yeah. can go well let's you know let's go to the park let's you know you know my she's now into soccer and playing tennis so like you know she's athletic so we're out there you know uh doing that so it's you know it's a really sweet little uh li- little time i mean you know talking about the you know going to see art you know she she's obviously has grown up around art and going to see lots of art and uh, you know we sort of have this rule yeah don't touch anything you can't touch anything <laughs> uh and uh, so i remember we uh we're going to an art fair and so we you know we loaded into the car we drove into the city we found a parking spot you know i turned around i'd say to her like remember what's the rule don't touch anything yeah right, right yeah hands off yep so we go get in line we get our passes we show up we get on the elevator We go up to the art fair we walk in we go to this crowded art fair and immediately she runs straight into a booth finger out you know finger right on a piece <laughs> oh, of you? art immediately you know just to test me yeah uh, but uh yes you know, so of course that did not go over well but uh
1: yeah, so you know you are in the sweet take... spot. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a right series of good. gains and losses, you know. So mm-hmm. what you you know what you gain in mobility, you lose in like oh my god, you got you are trying to keep track of her and they're going all mm-hmm. over and you That's know right. whatever it is, whatever little mini gain you get, there is also an equal and opposite loss that exactly. makes it entertaining. That's
0: right. Yeah, keeps <laughs> it new, keeps it interesting, keeps it fresh, and uh, you know at some point, like you, you know, you have these small realizations where you look you know, at, or, at, you know, I look at my daughter and I realize, you know, the it, it's not only a shift in uh, growing and learning, it's really a shift in the, her total identity, you know, yeah. so it's, it's, it's strange, like, you can see them sort of change as people. Um, and, we, you know, which is, of course, very sad on some respects. And then on some respects is absolutely fascinating. And, you know, I think the lesson from that is you just have to each stage you have to really, you know, just, uh, you know, enjoy it you know just take the time to realize that you know whatever stage she's in now she's not gonna be in forever but just find out what you love about that that you know stage and focus on that
1: yeah the uh the parallels of art making are just uncanny you know it's yeah. like every stage of a painting and and you know i mean we'll talk about paintings because we're painters but any art i'm sure it's the same right um but like when you when, when paintings go out into the world it's like kids in a way it's like you know you send them off like send him off to college to go to the gallery and it's like, all right, go get them, you know? And yeah. if you're good, yeah, I won't have to deal with you that much anymore. Like you'll go out. <laughs> I won't have to look at your face every day. You know, it's the worst <laughs> is when your kid goes out there, you send them out in the world, you're like, go get them. And then they come back to you and then you got to put them in your studio and stare <laughs> at them every day. That's
0: right. they end up on the secondary market. Yeah. You know, never, never, <laughs> want a, never want a kid on a secondary market.
1: Right. Yeah, that's terrible. It's contraband. Yeah, yeah there's all sorts <laughs> of issues. That, you know, <laughs> it is funny though, like that idea of, I guess I haven't. We, if this is a new topic because I haven't really talked about that much of, you know, life after the studio and 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 not only like what they do or what paintings do, but the relationship you have to it, you know. And when we're looking into your artwork, I think, you know, a lot of what you are doing is, you know, it just seems to be about painting and about different ways of painting, the language of it, and then the you know, the history and the optics and then its relevance and how you're pushing things in different directions within one image. And, you know, there's a lot of reflection there. And I'm wondering, like, you know, when you see a painting 10 years later, what's that relationship like? Do you look back at it? Because I mean, we've been around long enough now to where we're seeing work of ours, or right. revisiting images, and you're like, you know how it's kind of cyclical in the studio? Like, every five seven years something comes back in maybe or you get pulled back into something that you used to be into sure it's kind of like music too i think Mm -hmm. or anything else you know clothes so do you have that kind of like what is what happens when you see in the flesh a painting from like 10 years ago
0: like does that do anything i mean um you know uh crushing regret and uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, embarrassment Sadness uh, no. <laughs> Sadness uh, No, I mean, you know, I'm a big subscriber to that sort of Champian theory of th- that the, uh, you know, that the artwork is sort of completed by the viewer And it's this, you know, the art in the raw and it sort of yeah. gets refined um, And, you know, I, you know, I think that's true And, I, you know, a lot of my work when I think about it, I, I really have the viewer in uh, my mind as I'm making the paintings And, uh, you know... You know, there's a series, series of paintings that I was making uh, that were these, uh, on the bottom of the painting, there, there's like these small uh, porcelain figurines that are facing the painting. They sort of looks like they're trompe l'oeil and they're sort of sitting on the edge of the bottom of the painting. And I was actually starting making those paintings because, I, you know, I couldn't get anybody in my studio to look at the art. And I was just making paintings, you know, unrolling paintings, stretching new paintings, repeating that for years. I couldn't get studio visits. And so I just started literally painting in somebody to look at the, you know to look at the painting and so I started putting these things on the bottom and you know doing that it really got me thinking about this idea of the viewer and that you know sort of that Duchampian ethos where you know you know how many paintings have I made unstretched and rolled up and and you know the real you know this you know it, to answer your question the great part is seeing a painting out in the world Seeing somebody living with the painting, seeing someone with the The sad part is seeing the roll of paintings down in my storage space. <laughs> you <laughs> right, know, right. from the, for the you know ten years of making paintings. You know, without anybody looking at them. So, I guess an answer to your question is, you know, when I see a painting, you know, in somebody's home or you know, in an office building or wherever it might be, you know, to me, you know, it's, uh, you know, I couldn't be happier. I'm, you know, I'm happy that people are you know or enjoy them enough take care of them you know i mean i think that's part of the idea of paintings that you're making this object that you're sending out into the world you know it's sort of like you're talking it's like a kid and that you're hoping that you know it means enough to somebody that they sort of shepherd that painting forward that uh, you know that they take care of it you know it's like one of these old you know manor houses in england where it's like you know the, the people who own the house just sort of always talk about it in terms of like well we're just you know uh, you know shepherding this house forward during our lifetime and you know, we're stewards of the, of the house. And, uh, I, you know, I sort of think about that as paintings too. It's like the idea is to imbue the painting with something that connects with people, uh, you know, on an emotional level that makes them want to take care of it. So when I see some, when I see a painting out in the world, as long as it's, you know, not, uh, you know, in somebody's, uh, you know, cellar collecting dust, abused. you know, I lo- <laughs> Yeah. I love <laughs> Yeah. Used as a, uh, you know, Dish rag or something uh yeah i'm happy to see it
1: so well twofold uh, one is the, oh, well ideally all the paintings that you're making today or all the paintings that you're making that people see have those rolled up paintings in it do you yes. know what i mean like Absolutely. so they weren't in vain in that sense so it's like all that work i had a teacher when i was you know in college and she would always say you know people ask me how long it takes to make a painting and i say you know 42 years or however <laughs> old she was you know what i mean it's like right it's a culmination of all those experiences. But having a viewer in mind is such an interesting thought because there's so many view everyone's different. So how do you, it's almost like it's the idealized viewer or it's yourself thinking about what others must see when they look, but we're so biased by all the information and experience that we have, it's almost an impossible task. And then usually, well, let's say, a large percentage of the work ends up, like you're saying, maybe someone buys it. And then it's being seen by just a handful of people for the rest of its existence, which is an interesting thing too, to think about. Right. It's so weird, right? The viewer, like who is the, I mean.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's certainly an idealized viewer. And, um, you know, but I think, uh, you know, it's a, I don't know it's a strange phenomenon, I guess. That, you know, I hear a lot of people saying, well, I don't think about the viewer, and I, you know, I'm just making the painting for me, and, you know, the experience, and, you know, the experience of making the painting for me is the part that I do for myself, you know? Like, it's the process is the part that I do, that I enjoy. And, uh, you know, it's like, when I'm making the paintings, when I'm in the studio, it's like, nothing else I'd rather be doing. And, uh, you know, I just consider myself really lucky to be able to do it. Uh, and that, you know... And I guess that ties into the earlier part of our conversation. Once a painting's done, you know, while I'm working on it, I'm thinking about, you know, where, where who's going to be seeing it, what, you know, how they might be reading it. And, uh, you know, that, I mean, for me, it, it's unavoidable that that doesn't go, to be part of the conversation somehow when I'm thinking about, you know, constructing the painting in the studio.
1: Yeah. I love the, uh, <laughs> the gravitas of the artist who's like, yeah, I don't care about the viewer. I just do this for myself. It's like, as an artist, it's not selfish enough as a as a <laughs> as a, a life path. And you get to sit in a room by yourself all the time. You don't have to really deal with people much. And right. then they complain about an opening which happens once every year and a half or two years or something that they have to actually talk to other humans. But to say yeah. that, like, yeah, and I don't give a shit what they think about the work either. This is just all about me. <laughs> yes, yeah, like so I know. Beautifully perfect.
0: Yeah, it is really strange. I mean, you know, like you said, like being an artist just. Just having the idea that, oh yeah, I'm can make something with my hands that people are going to value. I mean, that in and of itself is kind of an absurd, right? Idea, and then you know when you you know start thinking about you know sort of the meaning of the work and connecting with people, then you're talking about you know emotion, like trying to evoke emotion in people. This stuff, I mean, the whole thing is kind of an absurd pursuit. But you know, of course, it's uh, you know it's exactly fifty sort of fifty percent absurd and fifty percent totally you know um, valuable you know and has uh, real you know real societal value and personal value so yeah it's a weird thing it works too
1: like it's total sham but it also works
0: that's right yeah (laughs) like there's
1: magic moment i mean i've had i just went to see that calder show at moma and it's uh like Mm -hmm. you know i had a moment i can't i didn't and sometimes I think to myself, is it just because I've dedicated my life to this and you know what I've invested so much time and thought and energy into into looking at art and making art that, that it moves me? But I'm like, no, I think pretty much even if I wasn't doing it, I would have a moment here. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and that's real. And it's yeah, weird. Yeah. But but then yeah. again, everything else is kind of subjective anyways, you know what I mean? And in a sense, yeah. and there's still value to it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's it we we place A worth on something and then something like art we're like well it's not really worth anything it's just someone just drew a picture but then nothing really is
0: yeah it's interesting i mean you know to that point you know i'm sure you were surrounded by tons of other people there most of the you know probably a lot of them weren't artists some of them were you know so you know you know that that experience is shared by people other than artists i mean I'm like you, I, you know, I can't believe that someone who's not an artist, you know, gives a rat's ass about art. Right. You know, I'm always amazed right. when I meet collectors who are really into it and want to talk about it, you know, like they want to show you their collection. And I'm always thinking, wow, what, you know, why, how are you or why are you connecting with this? Because I have the same sort of bias with you is that, you know, I feel like it's part of, it's been part of who I am since I was, you know, two or, you know, started making things. So I just feel like Oh, well, of course I'm into it and I enjoy it, but I, you know, if you're, you know, sort of your person who doesn't create and make things, I, you know, it just always amazes me. And I, you know, thank yeah. God that they're I know, uh, right? It's it's really great. It. Yeah. It's a little yeah. weird,
1: but it's great, you know. Yeah, I to, no, absolutely. I had an experience where I went and got my brakes changed, and after they were done, I was like, "Hey, can I come and take a look and see?" You know, I wanted to see what they did and like talk about it. And the guy was like, "Wait, wait, what?" And he's like, "Yeah, sure, come on in." You know, and he was like flabbergasted that I actually. You know, care. I wasn't just like, "Give me the keys, let me get out of here." You know what I right. mean? And I'm yeah. always doing that. And I think people generally get a little sort of like happy that you're interested, but a little freaked out. Like, why do you care? Why are you asking so many questions? Uh. I think some <laughs> people are just that way. Like they want to sort of think differently about things or or look at it past just the surface of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I yeah, don't blame totally.
1: people who just look at the surface of it. I get it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, you know, I think you can enjoy art on all kinds of different levels. And, uh, you know, um, you know, I certainly there's some art that I enjoy on a very surface level where I just think, oh, yeah, this is cool. You know, I like it. I like whatever the composition, the color, the whatever. And then there's some art that, you know, resonates with me emotionally and I have sort of a deeper connection to. So, um, you know, I I totally get that. And I get that, uh, you know, I'm just amazed, you know, at how many people seem to connect with it you know um so
1: well you employ different techniques and sort of you know painting acumen in your work like obviously Mm -hmm. you can move paint around in different ways and you're accomplished at it so i mean was that something you know did you have an audience as a kid making drawings or like were you always sort of being creative and that was like there was a value in that and you were pretty good at it
0: yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, um, yeah, the story my mom tells is that... Those we, are always so my, accurate. Yes, Yeah, these, yeah <laughs> mothers, one thing about a mother, they never, uh, you know, never them, uh, exaggerate. About, yeah, yeah. Uh, exaggerate about their kids' uh, acumen. Um, but I re, she tells the story that, you know, my brother a few years older than me when he was finally starting to get some homeworks so of first or second grade. Uh, you know, of course, me being a little brother wanted to sort of do what he was doing so I would want to sit at the kitchen table when he was doing his homework she would give me a pencil and paper and I would draw and then so of course he would wrap up his homework and go watch tv or whatever and she would realize that I was still in there so she would go and and check on me and you know I'd still be in there drawing and then she'd come back later and she said you know I would go in and check on you and you would be in tears uh crying and I, I she would say like what what's wrong and you know I would I would say you know it's it doesn't look you know, this isn't doesn't look the way it's supposed to look, you know, so oh, um, You're hurting you know, yourself then, from the jump <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's it's strange I was thinking about it I think probably more accurately what it was, was it, you know, it wasn't looking the way that I knew that it could look, you yeah. know, which is maybe a slightly different uh, thing I think it was like, you know, I, I think from a young age, you know, I sort of had this, you know, whatever, however your mind works where, you know, you can kind of see spatial relationships and uh, you know, uh, relationships between objects and things like that. And you can, you know, so I've sort of always had that and, um, you know, I've, yeah, it's always been important to me. I mean, I, in terms of sort of developing all these painterly techniques and sort of using them, you know, now I sort of employ them as, uh, you know, just sort of a way to talk about painting and image making and the passage of time. And, uh, and then in this new body work, uh, that I'm just making up, really, the idea of seduction is really coming uh, to the forefront. So, you know, I want to, you know, I want to use all these kind of slick, painterly tropes and tricks to sort of, you know, seduce the viewer, you know, sort of, uh, and again, which ties back into what we were talking about earlier, so, you know, seduce them to sort of want to take care of this object or find some sort of emotional resonance in it. So, yeah, techniques, you know, are. You know, a means to an end, I feel like, uh, in painting. And, uh, you know, I just, you know, I'm just one of those sort of maximalist people who think, you know, the more techniques you know, the more you c- can use. You don't have to, you know, it's sort of like better to have and not need than need and not have.
1: Uh, yeah. Did you, were you in school? Were you kind of, um, you know, were you interested in like building those techniques at an early age? Was that something that, you know, you hinged your development on? Or were you sort of also, parallel you know interested in you know the sort of expressive abstract element i mean there's a lot of different elements in your work and i'm sure it took a while to build to that but yeah. you know what was school like for you
0: uh school was cool i um i went uh to undergrad to the cooper union uh here in uh new york and uh you know i, I loved uh, every minute of that i mean you know coming from west virginia which uh, you know i grew up in Small town of West Virginia, sort of, you know, out in the country, and uh, coming to the city was just, you know, totally mind-blowing, and, you know, I fell in love with the city immediately. Um, and, you know, Cooper is one of those really nurturing places that uh, it just, like, the faculty and everybody, the way the school's set up, so the mission statement of the school from the very beginning with Peter Cooper starting the school is a tuition-free uh, you know, school for Art, artists, architects, and engineers was you know sort of. I think that's part of the ethos of the school that they carry on. And you know, what's great about that school is th- they allow you sort of to dabble in anything. You can sort of take classes. You know, you do photography and sculpture and painting and you know whatever, two D design, whatever you want to take, um, which allows you to sort of sample everything. But you know, I knew going in that I was wanted to be a painter, and that's what I focused on. And you know, I did. Um, you know, sort of make it my mission to, um, uh, learn, uh, these, you know, every sort of technique that I could possibly learn. I mean, a lot of that, honestly, I did, um, at the museums, you know, go into the Met and, uh, just sort of, you know, I would get books and read about, you know, uh, different sort of techniques. There was, of course, these old... I think every school sort of offers a technique class where they have, like, one technique guru who comes in and shows you how to do egg tempera and shows you how to glaze and how to scumble and, you know, um, how to paint, you know, with impasto and all that sort of things. And, you know, I mean, that kind of stuff, you know, I love it. And uh, so, yeah, so I've I've always sort of made it a mission to, uh, you know, assemble as many of those tricks as possible.
1: Boy, that's West Virginia to New York City. I mean, can (laughs) you... (laughs) Can you go to the deeper end of the pool there? I mean, that is... I know. I mean, the, I grew up or the, in Pittsburgh. Or the
0: shallower end of the pool. Yeah. I
1: grew up in Pittsburgh in West Virginia. Uh, I had an uncle live down there. And I mean, it uh-huh. was just... I mean, I don't know where you were. I, of course, I wasn't in all parts of West Virginia. But it yeah. was pretty, you know, rustic, shall we say. I mean, yeah, what was that there. transition like?
0: It's out there. Um, You know, West Virginia, you know, I always say it's a great place to grow up. It's like, you know, people are really sweet. And, you know, it's sort of... Um, you know, uh, great for outdoor activities, uh, you know, biking, hiking, that kind of stuff. And um, you know, but I always knew, you know, my school. I guess probably a lot of schools do this. They would take a trip every year to go to New York City to see a Broadway show or to go to a museum. And I would go to these trips, and I, you know, I just remember thinking the first time, you know, I got in New York, thinking, oh yeah, this is where I'm going to come to. You know, I mean, and uh, it's just a matter of time before I get there. You and, do. Um, yeah, and uh, you know, luckily, um, you know, I got into Cooper, and that was that worked out well and got me there. I mean, you know, I remember my, <laughs> my first week at Cooper. got got all checked in, and uh, you know, so I'm like this country bumpkin kid, and I'm like, I'm going to go out, I'm going to walk around the city, just see what's up. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I turn the corner, and I walk. I've walked about two blocks, and I see this gentleman who's walking the same direction as me, but he's about halfway up the block, sort of staggering from side to side on the block. And uh, as I get closer to him, I'm thinking, ah, you know, this guy looks like he's having some trouble and, uh, you know, totally in, you know, country kid mode. And I get about, I'd say, 30 feet from him before he uh, drops trowel right in front of me and uh, (laughs) (laughs) relieves himself, like, directly in my path. And I think, oh, man, I am not in uh, Martinsburg, West Virginia anymore. Welcome to New York. I mean, you (laughs) couldn't get
1: a more perfect, like, intro. It's like, here's what you'll be experiencing.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I came to New York in, uh, God, I can't remember, 95. So it was still even, you know, even then, uh, you know, the Lower East Side and, um, you know, back then they called it Alphabet City, uh, which they no longer do, I don't think. But, uh, you know, it was there were some rough, certainly some rough edges around it. And, uh, you know, it still had a little bit of uh, danger to it. But, you know, I, I mean, I loved it, you know, everything yeah. about it.
1: No, so. yeah, it was still, 95 is pretty... I think I probably made my first trips around that time to New York. Mm-hmm. And uh you know, a friend of a friend lived right on the foot of the Williamsburg Bridge and it was like a ghost town over there. I I swear oh. I saw tumbleweed running down Driggs <laughs> Avenue at
0: one <laughs> yeah. point. <laughs> yeah. I know it's so funny. I had um a group of my friends at that time came to Williamsburg and they rented an entire house. And if I re- you know, it's hard for me to kind of remember in dollars now but if I remember correctly, they had the whole house for $400 that and it was like right. huge. Yeah. And they were like, man, you got to come out to Williamsburg. You got to come out to Williamsburg. Of course, at the time I'm like, man, I'm not going out to Brooklyn. Are you out of your mind? Right. You know, <laughs> just totally being a snob. And, uh, you know, I would, you know, give my left arm to be able to go back and just like buy one of those, uh, oh my God. you know, run down places now, you know,
1: but, uh, if we only knew what we knew yeah. now,
0: that's right. Yeah. I guess everybody has that story, but, um, yeah, yeah so but it's funny. it's
1: painful when you I mean I my first place was and when I moved from I mean I originally went to Astoria at the beginning and then I moved down to Williamsburg and I lived in the Gretsch building oh, and huh, yeah. uh you know I I think I paid 600 something a month and this wow. loft was huge and I shared it with like four other people and none of them oh actually one was an artist but he didn't make that much work there so it was you know, I had this giant 3,500 square foot space oh, for man. like under 700 bucks, which, you know, good That's luck insane. finding, you know, I yeah. know, a phone booth for that now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, you know.
0: Yeah, no. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, I'm actually, I live very close to the Gresham building. I actually know some people there now and there I can tell you it's uh, no longer that, at that price point.
1: Oh, I, I my son had a, a school, a classmate. Uh, who lived there and they went over for a play date this was you know years and years ago and going in there it was so bizarre because it was post it was a luxury loft with like you know and I had all these experiences there of like playing music and you know and Vanessa Beecroft was there when I was there and uh, Miltos Uh, Mineta I think there was a bunch of artists in there and it was rugged like there was no polish to it at all you know and then going back and seeing how beautiful they made it was just like bizarre, bizarre you know
0: Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I, when I came uh, after graduate school, I came down uh, with a buddy of mine uh, who also went to to school with and, uh, you know, we ended up in Bushwick at um, this law space. And, uh, you know, it was, this was, you know, Bushwick of, you know, 2001, which is a much different Bushwick. And, uh, you know, we were, it was, again, this sort of, you know, it was a rough kind of building and, um, but, you know, it was super cheap, super big. Space to make work, you know, yeah. and uh, you know it's obviously changed. But you know, I don't know where you go as a as a, as an artist getting out of school now. I mean, I you know, you're way out at this point. It's
1: I found out. the, yeah. the spot Montana. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's the new. It's
0: just, it's just a short. Uh, it's, you wouldn't it's just a short plane ride. You wouldn't yeah. believe
1: the space you can get.
0: Get a horse and a barn. Doesn't you it sound good in. though? Doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, baby. I mean, look, it sounds better and better every year. Yeah, that's yeah?
1: my question for you. I mean, do you? Uh, you think uh, with COVID, like people just got out? You know. Yeah, they get you know, like, We need. Uh, you know how it is with a kid and being in the city during that lockdown was. I don't know if you had an escape, but it is. It was brutal.
0: It was tough. Yeah, we left for a little bit. um Went to my parents' uh, place. That's good. Um, so we did get out for a little bit, but, you know, we kind of stuck it out here. You know, in a strange way, it's funny, you know, as an artist, you know, my days were just always in the studio by myself every day. Anyway, so it really didn't change my schedule that much. And in fact, it was sort of like, um, you know, I mean, this is the tale of, you know, the two different uh, pandemics. Obviously, there's a lot of people who have it really terribly. But, you know, for us, luckily, you know, my wife was able to keep working. I was able to keep going to the studio. You know, we were home as a family more. You know, I got to see my daughter more. So it's like, you know, there were some really nice things about it. uh, Other than feeling freaked out about, you know, it looked like a zombie apocalypse with nobody out, you know, in the streets. But, you know, there were some really nice parts about it, too. So, uh, yeah, but yeah, we got through it, you know, and uh, stuck it out.
1: Yeah. Well, so let's go back to, I mean, post- cooper Mm -hmm. so when you got out did you were you in a mode of where it's like okay next is grad school or did you need to take time or what was your plans and how did you feel you progressed in undergrad versus like you know i know when i came out of undergrad i didn't feel like i felt like i was making the best work i made at that point but i knew i wasn't like game ready
0: (laughs) yeah yeah it's interesting i you know my my one of the regrets and the advice that i always give to uh art students is i would recommend a, you know at least one gap year between undergrad and grad school i didn't take it i went directly and i mean it's funny the first time i remember seeing you and seeing your work was you know between my junior summer of my junior year i did the norfolk program right and uh i remember i guess at that point you must have been a first year at yale yeah. and then you, you what's well, in between right right Yep. I yeah think in
1: between the first and second year was when yeah. you were there
0: Yeah, exactly. So you came down. I remember remember seeing you and um, some of the other uh, people. And, you know, I was like, oh, look, there's real Yale students. (laughs) Wow. I'm going to get close to them, see what they're like, you know. Um, And, you know, I think through that, you know, that program, you know, I sort of got the bug like, oh, you know, I should apply. So I, you know, I applied to Yale and I got in and uh, I went. um, But I in retrospect was certainly not game ready. I mean, I was, you know, I was still in undergrad mode of like, Oh yeah, we're just, you know, pushing paint around, taking it easy. You know, we're trying things out, you know, and you know, I'd say the, the students that, uh, you know, took those a couple years sort of came back in with like locked and loaded. They had a body of work that was, you know, tight, ready to go. They were coming in with, with work. I remember. And, uh, you know, I remember. I don't know if they did. They probably did when the year you were there. But you had to give a slideshow at the very beginning of the of your of your first year. Do you, do you remember doing that?
1: I don't remember doing that.
0: Yeah. Well, for us, I, I'm, I'm pretty. I'm anyway. It was. Uh, you had to stand up. You had to bring your sort of slides that I think you applied with was sort of the idea. Right. And uh, back when there were slides. The same and, carousel
1: uh, you used.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's right. You had to you had your thumbprint on it. Yeah. And, uh, so you, you know, you had to stand in front of everybody and sort of give this slide presentation and likewise you'd sit in the audience and sort of watch everybody else's slide presentation and I remember sitting there thinking like, oh shit, I am, (laughs) you know, I'm out of my league here, you know, I, I, you know, and I realized that, you know, sadly, instead of like reacting well to that when I was in school there, I really reacted badly and, um, I made, I'm certain the worst, you know, the worst, if you take any two year span of my you know, life, and the worst work was made during that two year Ah, uh, good
1: timing. Way to like yeah. set yourself up for getting destroyed in crits for two years. Yeah,
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, pit crit massacre every time. Oh, that's you know? brutal, yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was great, but I mean, what's nice is when you have like one of the professors arguing you're bad for this reason, and then another professor arguing, no, no, no he's bad because of this reason. So they're amazing? really... See, <laughs> yeah. so you'd think
1: that it was just about a disagreement about good or bad or, like, you know, opposing ideologies. You realize it has nothing to do with your work. They're just going to argue because they can't stand each other at that point. Yeah. And they just, you know, you're just bait for whatever arguments they could have.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. There's, you know, as you know, being in school, there's, like, different factions of professors and then those professors sort of get their group of students who sort of are on their side and. You know, uh, to me, coming, like I said, coming out of Cooper, which was so nurtured and sort of not like that at all, I was, you know, uh, you know, instead of really swimming, I I really just felt myself kind of sinking back and just spent just basically spending all the time in my studio and having very little interaction with a lot of the professors and, you know, I, yeah, so at the end of the day, I wasn't ready. You know, I can't blame the, the school or anyone else for it. It was the fact that I, just as a person, I wasn't ready, or as an artist, that's, I wasn't ready to be yeah, there.
1: Yeah, but that's real education, though. That's like real-world stuff. hmm You know, because I went to Skowhegan after, and Skowhegan was like a party. I mean, they were just like, uh-huh. hey, we're all, there's no teachers. We're all participants or whatever, and and everyone's just like, cool, you know? And yeah. And there was no major competition, you know, and I came right out of grad school. So I was like, you know, jittery and, you know, like
0: ready for like, (laughs) ready for a fight. Yeah. Yeah. The cows
1: made me nervous. Like the whole thing was a little suspect (laughs) and I was on edge. And then I got there and it took me, you know, after like, you know, someone who's been through like some sort of post traumatic stress or something, you know, it took me a little while to be like, oh, okay, it's cool here. It's like, it's, right. There's nothing on the lot like we could just make work or whatever. But that is yeah. real world stuff. Like you know, learning that, you know, there's ideologies and camps and there's people who favor other people and there's the comp- the competitive sort of like, you know, all that crap. I feel like subsequently, like, you know, like later on you you realize like, "Oh, okay. Like that's all part of it." You know, it's yeah. it's all sort of it's not a pleasant side of education necessarily, but is mean, part of the real world. I think
0: it is, yeah, and you know, it's like you know, you always hear this analogy, uh, sort of everybody parrots it, where it's oh yeah, with well, break- they break that, you know, it's like the army, they break you down, they build you back up, is sort of like the right. m- the
1: people the mantra, what I hear
0: people say, yeah. the mantra. And, but you know, in the military, they're they do that so that they can get somebody who's compliant and follows orders and doesn't question things, you know, and sort of does what they're told. In an art school, I don't know what the you know I understand the goal of doing that in the military. I don't understand the goal of what why you would do that in I do c I don't you know? I
1: don't think it's just compliance in the military I think it's they're trying to weed out the ones who aren't strong enough who can't take the right. the brutal, yeah. sort of like absolutely relentless yes. i mean they're preparing you for war so you yes. know if you yeah. can't handle basic training you're out you know
0: right exactly. and my dad who was yeah. in the
1: army used to tell me you know stories about basic training and all that stuff mm-hmm. He was like, "Yeah, I knew guys who just they they just couldn't do it. They were out, yeah. you know." And I think, I mean, it's extreme, I guess, but I guess that's the idea. Is like, well, you got to toughen the skin up. It's the opposite of what we get criti- criticized for now. You and I, as the curling parents or the snowplow parents, where we, <laughs> yeah. you know, create a path of least resistance and, you know, right, go ahead, yes. everything's cool. And you know, I teach, and I think. We're much more aligned to that now of, of, mm-hmm. of creating, you know, in a way it's really good because it encourages work, it makes people want to not hate it <laughs> and enjoy the uh-huh. process and stick with it. Yep. But I think in our day, it was more of like, you you, you know, if you can't handle this, you're not going to handle out there. Right. So. Which
0: you, which is strange because I, I mean, you know, the, now I'm sort of talking about the absolute other side of the coin where I feel like, you know, in the art world today, there's very little criticism. It doesn't happen. No, it's, it's like sort of like everybody's, oh, this is great. You know, yeah, I love it. It's awesome. You yeah. never hear anybody say, oh, no, this, you know, this person's work is, you know, and it's it's almost like they're preparing you for a system that doesn't exist. It's like, right. oh, you better get ready for that, you know, and you get out there and everybody's cool with everything, you know.
1: But criticism used to happen. Remember when we got out around that time? I mean, you would read bad reviews. Mm. yeah maybe it's been a shift since then i think so i think it was the the once the internet took off it changed things because then like the trolls and the negativity became such a giant orchestra that people Mm. started like tamping it down and then i noticed that when like when the when that crash happened was it like 2008 or something yep It seemed like after that, I noticed that, you know, artists were much more willing or wanting to sort of support each other and to say, you know, it's hard enough out there without us telling each other we're full of it or their work sucks or whatever. And we would (laughs) just try to like support each other. Right. But then it almost seemed like the criticism side followed that. And it just became almost like less criticism, more just whether good or bad, just kind of saying this is what it is. Like, here's a show of this work. And, you know, this is what they're doing. And it just didn't right. seem like it was, you weren't getting those brutal reviews or anything.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, primarily descriptive, I feel like, most reviews. And then, you know, tack on a few sentences at the end. Of it. But, um, you know, and I don't know. Maybe that's better. You know, what do I know? <laughs>
1: well, they get paid, don't you think? I mean, we don't have to go down this road, I guess. But I mean, those credits, <laughs> they get paid to do what they're, you know. And, it's true. And there's more of like... Massage. Well, I don't know anything about it, but I would imagine that, like you know, there's more of a relationship between people writing things and the people who are doing it, and I don't know. It just seems like a different culture now.
0: Yeah, yeah. I heard uh, actually uh, Jerry Saltz talk about it one time, and he was saying he was basically chalking it up to the idea that you know he only has a certain amount of pages uh, right. to write something, and so you you know as a critic you have to decide well do I want to focus on something that i didn't like or do i want to focus on something i like and promoting something that i like
1: makes perfect and sense. you
0: know and uh, to me that sort of made some sense and um you know so it, it, i get you know i don't know i don't know what the best answer is but maybe it'd be nice to have like sort of you know somebody start a column where it's like here's one thing i loved here's one thing i didn't like you know and just yeah. every every time just have you know sort of that but.
1: i think personally i think that's a great point in that it, you know point out the things that seem like they're taking it to another level or exceptional. Right. I just yeah. think I would say personally, I would like to see some criticism for those who are getting massive like attention, but you you know, you know behind the scenes like the work, there's just not that much there. Yes. Yeah. And people are just all jumping on the train and just for one person to say, I don't know.
0: This yeah, isn't this isn't yeah. what
1: everyone's making it out to be. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like yeah, super I, positive. Like I, I yeah, love championing people, and I love almost yeah. all work. But once in a while, we'll see something that we're like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, so a little that. eye
0: rolling Yeah. Inducing, I don't know but about uh, that. yeah, yeah, no. I mean, I'm the same way. I mean, I uh, to to your point earlier, I think like you know, as much as we as artists can be helpful to each other and sort of supportive, I think that's really the way to go. Um, so yeah, you know. that's.
1: I mean, that's. I, I I wholeheartedly agree. And it's hard enough for artists as it is. I mean that's one thing yeah. Jerry often says that that I really like that he's he's like I want all artists, no matter if I think they're great or bad or whatever, to make money to be able to like survive and like live off of this stuff. Because right. it's it's a positive thing to do in life. You know what I yes. mean? And yep. there's a lot of people out there making gazillions of dollars who are just, you know, taking a dump on society pretty much. <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's some sort of inverse proportion to uh, <laughs> to that. Uh, yeah, so true.
1: Um, yeah, so your experience was maybe you didn't feel coming out of those two
0: years that like, oh man, I killed it. I'm ready to go out there I, and
1: tackle the I, world. <laughs> no,
0: I definitely did not kill it. Uh, you know, I thought the Payne Whitney gymnasium was awesome. That was my oh, favorite yeah, part. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, you know, it was... Uh, it was not my best two years.
1: So you hit the gym when you were there?
0: Yes. I don't yeah, think I did it
1: worked out once when I was there. Did you ever go to that gym? I was in a non-gym moment whenever oh, cuz I you know I played soccer my whole life and uh-huh. during grad school I think I focused and I played music. I was in a band with friends there. Mm-hmm. So Yep. I don't think I was very good to myself as far as fitness is concerned. But yeah. I drank nothing but coffee and barely ate. So it all worked out at the end.
0: <laughs> so, you know, a certain type of fitness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's funny. It was like, you know, the gym was like where Harry Potter would go to. It was like, you know, Hogwarts gym.
1: You oh, know? yeah, Like yeah. you
0: walked up. It was just like, it's like a, a cathedral. Yeah, and it was, you walked in. It was like stone and cavernous and arches. And you would like scan your like little gym card, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, at the front desk. And they had pools and they had... You know, they had these riding, these like wooden horses that people would practice playing polo on. They'd sit in these rooms knocking the ball around and they had, I mean, it was, you'd walk around and it was just like a labyrinth of just, I mean, insanity, but really cool. Isn't uh, that nutty, that stuff?
1: I mean, I only got a taste of some of that, but the guys I played music with were undergrads, like a couple of them were undergrads. Uh So I would go into the dorms and, you know, they had those underground, like you could get from the other, to the other side of campus without going above ground right yep it's weird yeah and then where the where my band practiced was this little space in a building that the door opened the side entrance door opened and that was skull and bones was right there oh uh and it was Uh like a door there that you would never see any people come in or out of but that's creepy it was weird like creepy stuff you know yeah
0: i mean i loved it i i you know it was i always thought so that's like you know oh yeah there's the skull and bones building it's like everybody right. knows where
1: it yeah, is. Yeah, it's right there. you know
0: it's like it's not very secret but you're right yeah you never <laughs> saw anybody coveted out never. of it so i'm sure there was some secret uh some secret passage to get you there but um.
1: yeah those underground that was weird i remember when we would go and we'd have to practice you know you got to carry your equipment around and if it's pouring rain it would suck we'd be like oh i gotta and be like no we can just go underground <laughs> and you just follow them for like 15 minutes and you pop up some it's like fraggle rock you pop up yeah. somewhere else and there's like a whole nother
0: you're like how did that happen
1: it's pretty you amazing. guys should have
0: just you should have practiced down in the uh we did in the catacombs down yeah, there. We oh, did. yeah yeah there were a couple oh, yeah.
1: spots where we played down there too oh uh, that's not cool. inventive
0: no that's one cool. seemed
1: to mind ever and we were loud and we just you know hmm. people were into it so yeah that,
0: that's really fraggle rock yeah down down the catacombs playing is that music. does that
1: date me the fraggle rock right there's a <laughs> lot of people are like what the hell is Fraggle? Rock? yeah like yeah, 90 percent like of the people <laughs> 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 i'd pop up at uh it uh what do you what was it called uh is it rudy's yeah, was that yeah, the bar we would play at? Mm-hmm. We pop up yeah. there once in a while and play cool. for the humans, and then go back down on the ground and <laughs> yeah. eat those candle or those crystallized whatever. <laughs> <laughs> we're
0: we'll just get, we're gonna ride this analogy for the this rest is, of
1: the hour. N- this is not interesting to anyone, but Fraggle Rock was really <laughs> important to me. Okay, <laughs> it was like it, I don't know, it was like Xanadu. It was like this amazing. I don't know. I really loved that show. I yeah, wasn't really I've, into the Muppets that much but there was something about Fraggle Rock that I just thought was so cool. Like those yeah. little things were building these universes underground. I just yeah. found it fascinating for some reason. It was a it was one of those, you know how those things when you're young that sparks creativity or like your your sure. wheels start turning and when you yep. watch a movie or whatever it is. And for me Fraggle Rock did it. It was pretty amazing. And it was like a garbage dump that talked or something. Oh, that was weird. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. I feel like that and uh, like Dark Crystal Oh, I feel like amazing. around that time that movie then, was crazy, yeah, and then uh, I, I never need story I feel like, yep, like sort of was... those three things I remember seeing around that same time that you're talking about being like oh these are their own little worlds are creating their own little worlds and yeah I, yeah those I think all three of those were probably touchstones for people our age
1: yeah, really like there was something magical about I mean Jim Henson was a genius, but I mean you mm-hmm. know those things were like pretty amazing who knew that like Dark Crystal would come back like decades later as Kim Kardashian I don't know why, but she looks yeah. just like one of those dark crystal people. <laughs> <laughs> Laugh now, but Google it after the podcast and I guarantee right. you're like, oh that's uncanny.
0: <laughs> she has these pointy ears and she's in. Yeah, yeah. So
1: <laughs> So how did you uh how did you exercise the demons after grad school and get yourself situated and making stuff? Did yeah. Did it take I mean, a while know, to like get it did. back into the yeah. city and all that?
0: It did, well, you know, we came straight back down uh, after graduation, so, you know, it was it was crazy. I mean, of course, we had moved uh, to Bushwick, and uh, it was 2001, and so I sort of took the summer off, came back up here at the end of um, August, and, of course, you know, September 11 happened, you know, I was only back in the city for two weeks or something. Oh, man. And... Uh, you know, I remember being, you know, being in bed and my, my cell phone rang. It was my aunt, you know, yeah, you okay? And I was asleep. And so, you know, I went up to the roof because I heard people walking on the roof because it was an old uh, factory building. And uh, the first tower had already gone down. The second one was, you know, on fire. And then, you know, so we stood up there and actually saw the second one sort of, uh, it just looked like it drops sort of straight down. But, you know, so that happened. Um, and then, you know, of course, this whole city kind of shut down, and uh so you know, being coming back at that time was really strange. In that you know, you you sort of felt like you know, am I even should I even be making art right now? Like you know, it sort of left you in a very strange you know, especially coming right out of grad school where you're super focused on art, and then you're like yeah, I'm gonna go to the city, I'm gonna you know keep going. And, uh, you know, that happens. And then you're just like, oh, man, like, you know, is this important? You know, so there was that whole thing to get through. Um, and then, uh, you know, I think just, you know, like you said, sort of like your mind after going to grad school there is, you know, you really got to sort of refocus. And, you know, it's amazing to think I'm sure the same is with your class where, I mean, there were so many people I, I went to school with, that, you know, went all the way to get a master's degree from Yale, and never made art again. Yeah, You know, they just, like, went back to wherever, and, uh, you know, it's, you know, so there's all these, I, f- I feel like, you know, every, you, to become an artist is, you know, as you were saying, is really tough, but I feel like there's all these, like, small hurdles you gotta get through, and uh, to some extent, it's a kind of like a last, you know, person standing, you know, it's like, if you can yeah, just keep can weather the storm. going, weather each little storm, you know, um, then eventually you're you know, something will You know, probably happen. Yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs) Hopefully, did you have? (laughs) You know, I mean, I I had the same situation. I saw the second plane hit from my roof, but did you Mm -hmm. have that like post nine eleven trauma in your mind? Like, I was like nervous for a while. Oh
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think you know, you know, first of all, the realization. Like, I I had like this strange realization. You know, I when I was watching it happen at the same time, it didn't uh, dawn on me. You know, all the. You know, death that was also occurring. It just seemed like, oh, it's a building falling, and that's, you know, it's like I wasn't even processing, you know, until afterwards, and you start seeing all these videos of how awful and you know how devastating that was. So yeah, I think it hit you in waves, and then you know, you know, I've heard you say on here before that you know you were sort of glued to the television, and and you know, you know, I think everyone was. You know, it was like this could not turn off the TV because, you know, some, you know, I don't know.
1: It was was very bizarre. Fear and like you know, responsibility of feeling like, oh, I didn't even know why this happened, and then you are learning all this stuff. You know, it was like a sort of blissful ignorance of like you know, just like you said, being lost in the art that you were making and just thinking about that stuff, and not necessarily getting a global education. You know what I mean? And then that happened, and it was like, wait, what's all this? What's going on? And you know, it was was difficult. It was stressful, but I think I think. Just like in the same thing that happened in the, the pandemic, like when there was the shutdown, it's like I think most artists feel like, Well, what else I mean, I gotta process everything and this is just what I do. So I'm just gonna keep doing it, you know? And it's some right. sort of way to cope. It's like a coping mechanism with well, it's a constant. Yeah. Like this is something I'll do no matter what. Or I don't even know if I think about it necessarily, but Yeah. yeah there was a mo there was a while where it was like, is what I'm doing even pertinent, you know, like what, but oddly for me, a lot of the work was about kind of like danger or impending doom or like mm-hmm. creepiness
0: in yeah, a way. Yeah. So, and also you deal with the landscape so much and, uh, you know, the cityscape so much and, you know, that's sort of what everybody sort of had their f- eyes focused on. And so I can see it like, definitely your work sort of, you know, you were already sort of tuned into that weird, you know, uh, landscape and uh they have that sort of happen to the to the landscape of new york i'm sure it it ties it right into your what you were thinking about
1: yeah but i just went whole hog like i, I went conspiracy theory like I, you know i just was uh-huh. so into i mean and it was almost like brainwashed because i was watching so much news yeah that i just you know it's all i was thinking about and looking at so everything mm-hmm. went through like a filter of you know that you know right. and now I'll, I'll weave in and out of it but it's nice to not do things like that too to like yes. you know paint flowers <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah yeah Feels it's always good. nice to have a vase of flowers every once in a while yeah yeah no totally i mean you know thinking about that about making art during these times i mean you know for me and i'm sure for most artists it's true that you know one of the few unadulterated relationships you have in your life You know, you obviously have your relationship with your parents, and you have your relationship with your spouse, or your significant other one, and, you know, one of the other ones, your child, and then your relationship to art. You know, it's, it's like one of these things that, you know, it's there, it's a constant, it's, you know, it is what, you know, you sort of have to treat it with some respect, and, um you know, maintain it and, uh, you work at it, but it's, you know, that it's, you know, it's sort of like, you know, your mother's love, it's always going to be there as long as you're, you know, willing to, to, you know, uh, put in your time and your effort, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think, I uh, you know, during, I mean, during both 9-11 and during the, uh, this pandemic and things were shut down, you know, having that relationship to lean on is, you know, I think, as important as, you know, having, you know, these relationships with the people in your life, uh, you know? And uh, so yes, you can certainly retreat to that sort of safe zone in your studio and your creative. And, you know, it's, uh, I'm sure you have the same situation where you, you know, if you get into your studio and you get in that flow state, you know, everything else really does go away, you know? So you can even, you can just give yourself a respite from thinking about anything. uh, if, If, you know, you're able to do that in your studio.
1: I just, you know, I've talked about a little on here in the past few weeks or whatever, but I just found out about the whole flow state thing. I mean, I've, <laughs> I've lived it and experienced it and, and love that feeling of like, you know, hour five when the world just erases and you're just lost in making work. Yep. But now that I'm conscious of it, I'm thinking of trying to find out what it is and bottling it because I think I could sell a lot of it.
0: You need like a, you know, perfume. Yeah, you know, there you spritz go. Spritz a little on you, a and little flow, flow state. state yeah, <laughs> it smells good, and you're just like in your own zone. Don't I mean, you that's think, it. though,
1: all the ills of the world, if people, if we could get those people into the flow state, then we would be fine. Like, they yeah. would just make them drop their, you know, assholeness, and then it could just be like cool, and we could all get along.
0: <laughs> totally. Yeah, you know, I think, uh, you know, like so many people talk about it in terms of like, uh, you know. Uh, meditation and in terms of you know even you know experiment like ayahuasca and all these things where it sort of reduces the self and uh sort of has all these positive effects uh and i you know i think artists are lucky in that they kind of get that for free you know it's the byproduct of doing the thing they love they they get to recenter you know you get to recenter yourself every day in the studio where you just you sort of are able to let everything go you know and um uh you know, it's it's another thing. That, you know, you can actually do that with uh, exercise too. So, it's, you know.
1: Yeah, I totally agree.
0: It's, you know, it's like one of those things where, you know, I try. I exercise every day. I go to the gym. I mean, I go to the gym every day. I go to the studio every day, and like I, you know, I try and as much as possible, sort of give myself that time.
1: Yeah. You know? it, it, I think it makes you. I don't know. It does something for you. You know. Yeah. And I guess yeah. maybe that's not for everyone, but. Yeah. You know, I don't. Know, I can't imagine like not having that. So I always feel for people who don't have that thing that they like to do, or don't yeah. have the release, you know?
0: Yep.
1: Because you know it's just getting bottled up inside, and it's not, yes. not
0: good. Yeah, got to get into meditating or something. You know? Something. Find, find that thing. Stretching, yep. whatever it mm-hmm. is.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, Ichiro yeah. never got hurt because he stretched so much. I mean, everyone should stretch before they go to the studio.
0: That's <laughs> right. That's right.
1: It's true, though. I mean, it does wonders <laughs> for you, I think. Says the person who never stretches. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so do me a favor. Get me from the work that you started doing when you were in New York City to now. Go. <laughs> for,
0: from the work I was doing when? When you got out of
1: school to now. Oh, okay. Like what happened? Um, What's the arc? Yes.
0: The arc of uh, of yeah, the work. So when I got out of um, grad school, I was, you know, for whatever reason, and it's only because I've been working long enough now to be able to recognize the pattern every five to six years, I have a real shift that happens in my work. And, uh, you know, I'd say for the first 10 years I was, you know, in that sort of mindset of, you know, my work's not ready. Uh, you know, I'm not, you know, I, I, I I've always maintained a real, uh, you know, diligent, um, studio practice, always making work, but, um, you know, I just felt like, you know, wasn't developing, The right way. Um, And, you know, at the time when I got out of, I guess I should say when I got out of grad school, I started um, doing something called uh, scenic art, which is, uh, you know, when I was in Yale, I took a uh, painting to the Yale rep uh, department and it was drop painting, so how to paint backdrops for uh, plays. And, uh, you know, the guy who taught us, Guy Rue, said, you know, it's when you get down there, there's actually a union uh, because, you know, we talked about going back to New York and he said, there's a union you got to jump to a bunch of hoops, but you could test in. And then once you do that, you can, uh, you know, kind of, you can work on a movie or work, you know, on a backdrop, and then take, you know, work on do that for maybe a couple months, and you can take, you know, a couple months off, and just work in your studio. And it's sort of this great thing for artists. So that's essentially what I did. I came down, I tested in, sorry about that. And I got in the uh, union. And um, I started working in that world. And, you know, for some reason, I thought, oh, there's got to be some uh, crossover between that world and the art world. And there, you know, it was zero cl- crossover. <laughs> and uh, so I was still painting at night. And then during the day, I would be going to set and making paintings for different movies and uh, TV shows. And um... so anyway, I, I felt like um, th- through that, you know, you get sort of this crash course on making, learning how to make things quickly. And uh, whether it's, you know, sculpture or, you know, you kind of have to make things to camera, which is sort of a different set of criteria than it is to make something uh, that's, you know, to be seen by the eye. But I, it allows me to dabble on a lot of, and keep, continue to sort of uh, build up my different uh, different ways of making things. And through that, I feel like I sort of developed this idea about the idea of, uh, you know, image making and how it's sort of tied to time and different styles of making things are related to time so i sort of got into making these sort of collage based paintings that um were you know sort of about collapsing images together in a certain way that related to the way we see images through time and um so i was making you know i was making i sort of started that in 2016 and um through that i did a residency in la which uh you know, gave me a little bit of something and got me some, you know, some interest. And um, so from that is sort of, I feel like, you know, really 2016 is the time when I really started having any semblance of, uh, you know, uh, our career at all. And um, so I sort of made that body of work until this most recent body of work, which um, is, has now been another shift. And this new body of work um sort of happened during the pandemic and uh it's i'm going to be doing a show at uh, the hole on october 14th it opens um but this new body work. so you know always when you start a new body work, it's really exciting so i'm excited about it and like i said you know this sort of i've shifted to this idea of seduction i'm still using his sort of historical references and paintings um and i've been looking you know for some reason during the uh lockdown i i sort of started looking again at uh, sort of these, uh, you know, kind of diptych paintings of like heaven and hell. And uh, sort of, I think it was sort of somehow related to the, you know, the empty landscape in New York. And uh, I sort of started um, looking at these artists who were, you know, would paint like these sort of, half of the painting was like hell with all these demons. And, you know, half of the painting was like heaven and sort of represented, uh, you know, sort of the duality of possibilities. And, um I kept finding myself looking, being more interested in the, you know, sort of the darker, the hell side of things and sort of looking at these demons. And it sort of fascinated me, this idea of that, uh, you know, through paintings, mediated through painting, something that's supposed to be, um, you know, that's uh, uh, supposed to be morbid and something that in real life would, you you would be repulsed by, you get attracted to through painting. There's some sort of power there that go through the filter of art uh, that you can be seduced by
1: so the show are you done with the show
0: uh i'm making it right now I, you know i you, you're it, coming yeah. up on
1: the deadline there i don't mean to yeah, freak you out but what are you doing <laughs> talking to me
0: <laughs> i gotta go see so, ya yeah. uh, uh you know these paintings are taking longer than my previous paintings took so i sort of did this weird thing of judging you know how many months out i had versus how many paintings i was going to make based on the old scale and i found that that scale needs to now be adjusted a bit so you know, I'm hoping to get, you know, 12 paintings done. And, you know, I'm around like eight and a half, so nine, so. You're in a
1: home stretch. Yeah. I'm, but your paintings you look know. like they take a while.
0: Yeah, they take a little bit of time. You know, I've got a couple going. So I think I'll be able to, to you know, to pull it off in time. Um, that's why
1: they invented Red Bull.
0: That's right. Yep. Red Bull and, uh, Red Bull and cocaine. That's, Red Bull and
1: cocaine and milk crates in the studio. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, don't do <laughs> that. Well, you're going to need that painting <laughs> arm.
0: <laughs> yeah, you don't want to throw it out of joint. Uh, it's funny um, when you get
1: to the age where you, like, think about mitigating injuries. So, you're like, I got to go to the uh, studio, so maybe I got to take it easy on that, whatever I'm doing, you
0: know? Oh, I mean, that's all of my life. Now, I mean, I, like you, grew up playing soccer, and, you know, I actually was playing in, you know, a lot of men's leagues here in the city, you know, up until, you know, I had a uh, daughter, which uh, sort of limited my time, but... Um, You know, you just realize, you know, you're going to hurt yourself eventually. And, um, you know, you just, it's it's just a sad fact of being an old man.
1: I know. I kind of stopped with the competitive part of it because I felt like mm -hmm. I was tempting fate. I was getting away with it, but I knew it's only a Uh matter of time before I get the, uh, you know, career-ending injury. So I just, (laughs) I'll do some friendlies, but I'm not, there is some weird You still go
0: out and kick it around some?
1: All the time. I mean, I run a youth soccer club here in Brooklyn, so...
0: Like oh really? Friend, yeah.
1: So uh, I mean, I'm involved with it every day, but I don't play play like I used to play. Cause he used to yeah. play with these younger guys, you know, in their thirties, and they, they're like weekend warriors, and it's like yeah. they go out there playing oh, hard. You know, I'm yeah, like, guys, I got to work after. tomorrow.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? No, that's right. Yeah. No, I remember I was, you know, at some point you realize, oh, you know, I'm the oldest guy on the field, and uh, you know, these guys all played in college, and uh, you know, it's like I got to get out of here before I do something serious to my body
1: yeah well my friend uh, you know that i run the club with he is uh he's in the senior league so it's oh yeah the, uh mm-hmm. the 50 and over so i'm i'm waiting i got a few more years and then i can join now. i'm gonna <laughs> dominate for the first two years
0: <laughs> yeah well if you get in early <laughs> right? you know you change you change your birth certificate knock it shed uh, a few yeah, years off good idea. get in there when you're you know a couple years shy of 50 and right. you're, uh, I'm the you're ringer. Total, total <laughs> domination.
1: <laughs> They're like, we got to check these, these stats. There's no way it's 50. <laughs> That'd be good stuff. So um, the show opens. When's it open?
0: Uh, opens October 14th. And it's at the Hole. And it's at the, uh, you know, they have two spaces now. They opened yes. one three, down right? in Tribeca's
1: Out in Long Island, too, I believe. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yep. Right?
0: Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Yep. So they have three spaces. So this one will be in the Tribeca space. Nice. So, um, yeah, uh, so just cranking away at that, and um, you know, then after that, going to take a little time and relax a bit, take you know, catch up on all the stuff I'm not able to do right now. And, Start uh, uh, that's on
1: Zillow it. for a re, uh, real estate in Montana. I'm
0: telling you, <laughs> it's the
1: right. new bushwick.
0: Well, let me know when you move out there. Maybe we can get a you know, buy a uh, yeah. buy a barn together. Yeah, or we can do
1: like a little colony. Get actually. <laughs> It's so smart, though, to find, like, an escape like that somewhere where you can go to. I mean, flying's tough, but, you know, upstate's not even easy in it. Like, it's, you know, it's outpriced. Like, where do you go? You know, yeah, you got to no, go I, out somewhere.
0: Yeah, you sort of have to start all over, I feel like, uh, yeah. somewhere else. Um, you know, even the time that I was out in L.A., I mean, that's, you know, I was out there for a few months, and it's, you know, it's it's tough out there, you know. Yeah, it's uh, too much. Um, So, if, you know. I don't know. Anywhere there's a, a confluence of galleries and artists, it's going to be expensive real estate.
1: Yeah. I'm looking at Iowa. I'm ready <laughs> to make the move.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> the city will test you. You know how it is.
0: You start it, man. If you build it, they will come. You that, go to that's Iowa. That's true. That's true. Yeah, that's a good point. Make it happen.
1: Last question. Music in the studio, what's your go-to?
0: Mm. So I sort of uh, do a split 50-50 between podcasts and music. Um in the studio, what am I listening to right now? I mean, you know, I listen to a lot of sort of post-punk kind of stuff, you know, I sort of grew up on like, you know, like Smiths and Pixies and, uh, you know, sort of that group that, Um, you know, I'm trying to think of what I've been listening to, uh, a band called Slaves recently. Um, I've gotten into, uh, oh man, I'm blanking on who I'm listening to. Uh, F uh, Font- uh, Fontaines, what am I trying to say? Uh, Fountains of. of, of, of man, but no,
1: <laughs> boy, that's a throw. Yeah, yeah I just popped in there when you were doing the F sound. That was like yeah.
0: Uh, but yeah, you know, I listen to a lot of. You know, I listen to everything. I you know, generally where I work out, I work out the hip hop. When I when I'm in the studio, it's a lot of post punk. But um, every once in a while, I listen to the country. You know. Um, so you know, I have sort of diverse uh, music tastes. You yeah. Know? You got anything good you're listening to right now?
1: Lately, my old friend uh, Evan, who's in a band called Ratatat, his new record's coming mm. out.
0: Okay, cool, um, yeah. I Evax
1: is his personal oh, Okay. music that I've been, you know, I've always loved it, but been really cool. into his new stuff. And then he did a couple of tracks on that new Kanye West record, which was conflicting to me because I have, well, not strong opinions about Kanye, but, you know, but I listen. Uh-huh. And uh, he did a couple, produced a couple of tracks on there that was pretty cool, so... I listen yeah. to those, and um, that's that's pretty big time. Yeah, and then uh, as far as the when you were talking about the podcasts, are you talking like serial, like podcasts like that?
0: You know, I do. Uh, you know, I, I do a lot of uh, the sort of the daily news roundup ones. I do serial podcasts. I do you know uh, a lot of you know. Do you know Sam Harris? Waking up, Sam Harris.
1: I know. I know it, but I haven't listened to. it.
0: Yeah, like podcasts like that, you know, I try and mix it up between like, you know, guilty pleasures of like, you know, uh, sort of true crime podcasts and then try and have a group on top of, you know, there's, there's a lot of podcasts you listen to. And it's like, you know, it's literally like getting a master class and whatever subject, you know, so I try and mix it up with some of those. And then, uh, you know, your podcast, it's, it's on, you, you know, don't have to say that men and no, blazers.
1: Are you a men and blazers guy?
0: No i got to check
1: that out. Oh, yeah. What? If you're a football fan.
0: Yeah. Oh, cool. oh, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yes. Yep.
1: And yeah, uh, ha- did you listen to that one? It was a while ago. I know I'm dating. it, uh, But uh, it's called uh, Last Scene. Have you seen that one? No. It's about the Gardner um, Art Museum heist. Pretty good.
0: Oh, interesting, interesting. Yeah, the uh, the uh, documentary about that is in my queue. I- I've yet-, yet to see that. Oh, is that? But, uh, is
1: there's a, uh, a video one?
0: Yeah, there's a documentary. I, I don't know if it's on. Um, might be on Netflix. That's uh, oh, that's cool. I'm something. That it I, yeah, it's about about that. that well, the podcast
1: piece. is great. You should check it out. It's really oh, it's I'll cool it because out. it's just like mystery and art together. You know. Yeah. Everything. And, uh,
0: what, what could you? What could you want?
1: I did watch that Bob Ross one though.
0: Oh yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. That's another one that uh, is in the queue right now. I grew up on Bob. I kind of like
1: yeah. it. I like it. And you know, they were teasing it as if, I don't want to spoil it, but they were teasing it as if it was like major drama. Like, mm-hmm. you won't believe Bob Ross' life. And it wasn't that. I
0: mean, yeah, it wasn't anything. No, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just normal.
1: yeah, Like, he's a human being. Right, Shocker. yeah. Normal guy. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's yeah. like not a robot. Like, he actually did right. things in his life. So, <laughs> yeah. But I just love yeah. the idea. I mean, I grew up watching Bob Ross. I've never yeah. felt like... I've always loved Bob Ross. I'll watch it sometimes late at night. Just, well, I just sit really? there and watch Bob Ross. Yeah. I'll I don't love
0: know. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I remember catching a few of his, uh, episodes growing up for sure. And, uh, there, there was another guy that did, uh, he, he did like space drawings. I don't even remember him. He was in like a spaceman outfit. I feel like, and he would just Mark start. <laughs> Mark No, I'm kidding. I the guy from
1: Devo? He did the. Uh... Oh,
0: no. No, no, no. <laughs> he did this that guy, drawing I...
1: segment in, uh, in, uh, what is it? Yo Gabba Gabba. Oh, okay. Show, uh-huh. Which I always thought was yeah, cool because yeah. I'd show it to my son and I'd be like, that's sure. Devo, you know. Yeah. Uh, but no, <laughs> I didn't like, see this guy. He drew space stuff?
0: Yeah. I remember he would start, uh, it was when I was a kid, he would start like sort of just in the center of a page with like a cube and then would start building on top of that. It would be like a spacecraft with tunnels and different th- oh, that's stuff. That's cool. But, uh, yeah.
1: I didn't get to anyway, see I that. I really just cool. saw happy little trees and <laughs> well, stuff. It's a whole other universe, yeah. my friend. Sounds good. Yeah. Out. <laughs> well, I look forward to seeing the show. Congratulations thanks, in advance on that. That's exciting. You. And um, you know, don't work too hard on it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the plan. The don't plan stress is, yourself uh, out. Just uh, a few more, a uh, few more weeks of really hard work, and then you have to relax. But uh, thanks for having me on. And you know, this is—I think you know, this is a really valuable uh, podcast. You know, I, I was sort of thinking about like who is it? The guy uh, Timothy Greenfield Sanders who used to take all the portraits of the artists. Yes. Yeah. Is Isn't that? Yeah, I was sort of thinking, like, you know, this podcast sort of has some relation to that. This is like, you know, some way of documenting, you know, sort of a moment, a flash, you know, time uh, picture of of the art world, you know. yeah, I think sort of similar to what he was doing, but much more good. Yeah, that would be great
1: if that's the case. Um, And he took my picture, so I feel like that's kind of fun. Oh, that's cool. Oh, nice. I, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I feel like this podcast does a great service to the community of making it a lot easier for people to fall asleep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Have you no, made it an hour you- and a half
1: here? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, anyway, seriously, though, I think uh, what you're doing is awesome. Thanks. and uh, I'm going to keep it up and, uh, you know, I'm really honored that uh, you asked me to be part of it and oh. I'm happy to, hopefully uh, my ramblings you know, if anybody's still listening, like somebody got
1: something out of it. I'm sure it was. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And um, maybe we could do studio visits once the uh,
0: The, oh, the play ends
1: or even soon. Yeah. Maybe.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'd love
1: to. Cool. All right, man. Thanks a lot. All right, brother. Take care. Thanks.